Welcome to this episode of the Connection Podcast. We're happy to interview my friend and neighbor, Tim Zakarian, who is the founder of Waypoint Church in Thurston. Very interesting conversation. I hope you enjoy it. I think you all will enjoy it a lot, to be honest. Tim shares his story of growing up outside of the church, not really having a relationship with Jesus, and then developing that as he came into his young adult years, and how that led to him becoming a pastor and founding a church. We then get into a a really interesting conversation about how to become integrated in the community and and help that community to actually grow and, and doing that in the way that the Savior would. We then talk about in our own church community, how to develop leaders and and mentor them as they follow their own path. I think this is really helpful. Tim has a lot of great insights. We also had both of the Fullers on and and they shared some really interesting perspectives as well. So hope you enjoy this episode and thank you for joining us. All right, welcome to the Connection Podcast. Happy to have everybody here today. We have a special guest, Tim Zakarian. Welcome, Tim. It's good to be here. And Tim, uh, among other things, I, I'm sure you'll fill us in more about what you're doing currently, but Tim is the pastor and founder of Waypoint Church in Thurston. Uh, so a lot of people know Waypoint or have had their kids go to activities there. So super happy to have That's him on. Uh, and then we have Christine Fuller. Hello. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and we have Jeff Fuller as well joining us. Yeah, happy to be here. Thank you, guys. Thank you, everybody, for being here. And if you hear my voice going away, it's because I've been going to a lot of Oregon football games, and <laughs> that's where I lose my voice. So I'm happy to say I'm not sick. But yeah. you know, at least it's voice. been a good reason to lose your voice lately. That right? is true. That is true. Of, uh, Usually, it's kind of weird. I wins. talk to patients in the room. I'll say I lost my voice. They're like, "You get mad easily." And like, <laughs> no, not really. I'm just excited. Right. Um, just celebrating. Yeah, now. yeah. Just excited. <laughs> Well, Tim, generally how we start these episodes um, is we'll ask a question uh, in which you hypothetically think you're, you're joining a new congregation, basically, and you're, you're introducing yourself and telling your story um, and, and kind of letting us know about your family as well and go. <laughs> well, it's good to be here and, and among friends and, and so and excited to be able to share my story. And I'm originally sorry to say for everybody if it gets you upset, but I'm from L.A. originally okay. <laughs> uh, and I uh, grew up down there and um, and I never knew anything about church. Um, my family didn't go to church and mm. um, so I had no concept about church or God or Jesus. I had no idea what the Bible meant. I didn't know there was a Moses, David. <laughs> I knew a little bit about Noah's Ark because there was a toy right. <laughs> with animals, but I really didn't know anything about about faith. And then one day I told a lie when I was five years old and my mom said, God's going to be mad at you uh, because like, God you who? told a lie. <laughs> And I said, well, who's God? And and she, so she began to just tell me briefly in her version of who God was. And from that point on, I knew there was God, someone higher up there. And, and I began to pray, actually, not knowing oh, cool. anything would it meant or anything like that. And um, so I just kind of lived my life, got to middle school, and um, strangest thing happened, uh, our High school football team went to the state city championship down in LA at the LA Coliseum. So I wanted to go really bad. And um, and so I asked a friend of mine that was in the high school band if they can sneak me on the band bus. 
And so she said, yeah, we'll sneak you on the band bus. So they get in line, they, they, I put band clothes on me, teacher looks at me, says, oh yeah, I remember you, checks me off the list. I get on the band bus. God bless and, um, Get down to the LA Coliseum. If you guys know anything about the LA Coliseum, pretty bad area. Mm. And get down there and we get off and I march in with the band. I don't even know how to play music. So we get in there, sit in the seats with the band. They're playing their songs and all that, having the greatest time. Well, our team's getting slaughtered. It's 21 to nothing, <laughs> halftime. And, uh, and then um, the band goes down to the field to perform. Well, I'm not going down there. I'd be really embarrassed. <laughs> so I sat in the stands, watched the band play. They go off the field, and they didn't come back. And so I'm oh. sitting there in the LA Coliseum. I, oh, and no. I asked, where'd the band go? And they said that they left because they did their thing. So I'm stuck in downtown oh my LA. Gosh. Now I'm old enough to tell you there's no cell phones. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking my dad's going to kill me. And so I asked people in the stands, is there anybody that can give me a ride back? I, I'm from Tahunga and it's in the San Fernando Valley. So mm. this guy, 19 year old, bushy brown hair, I'm 14 years old at the time. He's, I'll give you a ride. <laughs> I said, okay. Total stranger to me. I hop in the car with him. He lives same same city as me. And we're driving down the LA freeway in a Datsun yellow mini pickup truck. <laughs> and uh, he's playing 80s music. And he and he uh, looks at me. So he opens up his ashtray. He says, hey, you want some marijuana? And I said, uh, no, I don't do that. So he closes his ashtray. And he goes, um, hey, you want to go to church with me? <laughs> <laughs> the next question. That's great. Uh, and I look at him and I said, no, I don't do that either. And he goes, well, there's cute girls at this youth group. Mm. And I said, okay, I'll go with you. <laughs> and so I was- Twist your arm. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what to expect. So I get there and I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, really neat music. And I didn't know what the- pastor was saying I didn't understand the words I, I was uncomfortable because people were singing there's music I didn't know um, it just was strange for me but I liked it but I didn't know why and um, at that moment I said you know someday I want I want that for my life I felt and sometimes you just feel something and yeah. I said I want that and uh, but I walked away I went there for about three months and then probably lived in my high school days some of my greatest regrets Mm. Um, I remember Christians trying to tell me about morals and trying to be a good person and all that. Yeah. And that the problem is, is I would watch those same friends at parties and mm -hmm. they were no different than I was, you know, but they had some kind of faith, but it was, it didn't mean anything because I didn't see their faith in action. It wasn't until, um, I was 18 years old, working at Sears in downtown Glendale, down in LA. And I was working with another friend that was a Christian. So I first started saying, hey, you should come to church with me. And I said, no, I don't go to church. And um, to me, like church was boring. I just didn't understand it. And um, so he tried a different approach. He said, do you, do you know any stories in the Bible? And I said, no, I don't, I don't know any stories in the Bible. So we worked, we worked one hour together in the morning. It was just him and I in the store. So every morning he began to tell me stories about the Bible. He started with David and Goliath, and then mm -hmm. he talked about Moses and the Exodus. And he, every day he told me a different story. And then one day he said, would you like to hear the story about Jesus? 
I said, certainly. So he began over a couple of weeks of time just telling me different stories about Jesus. And I would begin to ask questions. It was intriguing to me. Right. And um, and it was at that one point where he asked me, would you like to uh, put Jesus first in your life? And I said, I'd like that. And that's when I became a, a Christian and oh, began cool. to follow Christ. And um, and so I ended up uh, actually coming up here to Eugene to go to Bible college. Okay. Um, and I where, where where did you go to Eugene school? Bible College? Yeah, and uh, it's now New Hope Christian College. Mm -hmm. And okay. um, yeah. and I never thought I'd be a pastor. Never dreamed to be a pastor. Um, I just wanted to put God first in my life. And mm -hmm. I never thought I was good enough to be in ministry, or never thought I had any of the right tools to do that. Um, but I just said, you know what? I'm just going to follow what God wants in my life. And I just did step by step. I graduated out of Bible college four years. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm more organized, and people don't, sometimes don't see pastors uh, from an or organized standpoint. <laughs> um, and so nobody took a look at me. There is there are some great churches we had open. None of them took a look at me. And then a pastor from Northern California reached out to me and said, hey, would you be interested in being our youth pastor? Oh, cool. And um, and so I said, uh, yeah, I'm you know, desperate to just get a shot yeah. at something. And so I was in Antioch, California. I went there and um, had about, um, we started out with uh, 10 kids, went down to two kids. I was such a great youth pastor. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then, um, then the youth group began to grow. I was there for 10 years. We had 130 kids oh, and, oh and just gosh. saw God do a really Wait, amazing- From two kids to 130. Yeah. In 10 years. yeah and oh just, my gosh. That's incredible. And it's good. Some of those kids now are pastors. They're good- Fathers and mothers, and you know, you think about that. They're in the 30s and 40s now, and <laughs> and, uh, and, um, and then I youth pastor in Spokane for a season. And then, can you share a little bit about the difference, like what a youth pastor does, and maybe a, a, what that means? For yeah, yeah, that's a good question. So, um, youth pastor, what they do is they kind of focus just on teenagers, so junior high, high schoolers. Um, they're kind of the pastor to those kids, and then. There's a lead pastor at our church. I think you would call that a bishop in in, yeah. in your setting. Um, and so the youth pastor would be on staff and report then to the lead pastor, mm -hmm. but his role would just be focused on yeah. the junior high high schoolers. Do you get to give any sermons or is it mostly just act activities and leading the youth? Yeah, that's a good. So usually in, in our setting, they do a whole youth service. Oh. So there's worship. Yeah. There's games, there's small groups, there's a sermon. It's almost like what you'd, what you'd see on a Sunday morning with adults is the same thing you're doing with the teenagers mm -hmm. because they need their own service sometimes. Right. And so, so once a week we would do just a service where they're worshiping and they're, um, there's a message for them. And then during the week we do activities, we do small group Bible studies. Yeah. Um, that's how I grew as a Christian was through smaller group Bible mm -hmm. studies. Yeah. And then you have adults that are maybe parents or young adults that are on their adult teams. Mm -hmm. And you, you really have, you create this whole kind of um, church within a church, right. but it's kind of focused on the teenagers. Um, so that's kind of what right. I did. That's cool. Did that both in Antioch and Spokane. And then you Spokane. Yeah. And then I became the regional youth director for Open Bible Churches. So I oversaw all the youth groups on the West Coast and the youth pastors. And I did that for 18 years. Um, and 
I did it full time for about six six years, and and then when I started Waypoint Community Church in Springfield, um, I ended up doing it part time and doing the church part time mm. uh, for a season. And so so I so I got to travel a lot, help youth pastors out, training, developing. Um, helping them grow, helping their youth groups grow. And then we did events for teenagers, gathering, big gatherings for teenagers. Um, and so we did a lot of things like that. It was really, really fun. Um, but when I moved to this community, I really loved the Springfield Thurston community. When when was that? When did you move 2003, here? we oh. got here. And especially Thurston, I noticed in Thurston, there was a real um, love for family. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I looked in the community, there wasn't a lot in the faith community that was was doing things for young families. Mm. Um, and so, uh, and that's such a challenging time of life, right? Like it when is. you're raising young kids or just starting out in a relationship, even right. You know, you really need to have that connection. Yeah. And what happens, I think, sometimes is um, parents they want their kids to be in good environments or faith based environments. But sometimes the sometimes the they don't know what to do or how to get involved or what they they can do and so um, so I saw that I was developing I, I live here in Levi Landing I was developing re- relationship with neighbors and so I never I said to myself I'll never start a church <laughs> it's way too much work right way too much work <laughs> and um, didn't know what to do or anything like that and. Um, but eventually, um, you know, God puts things on your heart, and eventually, I said, "Okay, Lord, I'll I'll do it." Had some of my former youth uh, from California, from Spokane, they actually came here really? and helped us start the church. Sweet. And we started with um, eight people, and then it went to twenty people, and then to seventy people. We started at Waypoint. It was in two thousand and ten. We we had about one hundred and eighty people that we started with. And our heart for the church was really to reach our community. And so what we saw in this community was um, a community that uh, loves loves their sports, loves family. (laughs) A reason why Jason doesn't have a voice. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And they love the community. And so we knew to reach people that we were going to have to um, be part of those things. And uh, so we got involved in the schools. Um, We even got involved in the leagues here. We we passed out Mm. free soccer balls at sporting events. We went to the schools and asked them what we can do to volunteer. Um, Since we were a portable church, we started originally at Thurston Elementary. We actually had sound equipment at the elementary school and ran all their um, events for their sound, so their (laughs) musicals and all that, because... I was going to say, did you get to DJ some school dances? <laughs> we actually DJed, believe it or not, we DJed at Thurston High School and at Thurston Middle School. Oh, great. And we actually DJed some of their dances. Yeah, that's yeah. And, uh, and so, but our thing was we were, we also partnered with Willamette Lane, their mega hunt. Yeah. We just thought, you know what? It's some. I had a friend. So one of my one of my neighbors, he worked for the Parks and Rec here in, in Springfield. And he said something to me that was really life-changing to me. It was really powerful. He wasn't a believer at the time, and he was he was he was trying to see with Willamette Lane if they can get churches involved in working with Willamette Lane. Mm-hmm. And so he said he called a hundred churches and didn't get one call back. Mm-hmm. And he asked me this question. I think it's a great question for anybody who who's of faith. He said why does the church separate themselves from the community? Right. Why don't they 
be part of the community. Mm-hmm. And so I said, you know, if I'm going to start a church, we're going to be part of our community. Not just expect the community to come to us, um, but we're going to go out into the community and we're going to help the community without there being a hook right. because we're just going to mm-hmm. love them. Right. You know, sometimes I think if they come to our congregations, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll put energy and time into them. But we said, no. Jesus went out there and just loved his community. He went out there to serve. He went out there to wash people's feet. He went out there yeah. to he- bring healing and love and wholeness in his communities. And, and he said, that's what we're going to do. We're going to go out in our community, and we're going to just love on every part of our community and make our community a better place. And that's what we did. And and um, and God did some amazing things. I was at Waypoint for 10 years. Is there a story behind the name of the church? Yeah, so waypoints uh, like on a GPS when it when it connects to uh, a, a direction, it's called a waypoint. Oh, and so, yeah. so our motto was "Find your way home." So, yeah. so many times people wander away from their faith. Like I, you know, I wandered, mm-hmm. like many of us do sometimes, yeah, and it was like find your way home back to to God. Yeah. And so that's the kind of the whole. Uh, Meaning of waypoint. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, That's and great. so so I was there ten years. Uh, loved loved it. Um, loved pastoring, but I, again, something starts stirring in my heart again, and I really love developing leaders and um, helping leaders grow and making help them. And so um, so I ended up getting offered a position in the, our regional office again for Open Bible. I'm the associate director. Mm-hmm. And I oversee actually two main areas uh, there. I oversee Next Gen, which again is the uh, youth, but it's also yeah. young adults. No, um, cool. And so we do a lot of things for those age groups. And then I also oversee an area called the Church Resource Network. And what we do there is we help leaders or pastors. We help resource them. We help with their training. We help coaching for them, um, sometimes consulting. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we'll go into a church and and help look at it's I, I don't know for you guys the last time you've been a visitor at a church uh, you know but it's different yeah it is different yeah, when you're a visitor and I get to visit a lot of churches and uh, so, sometimes you walk in and no one talks to you mm-hmm. no one looks at you you walk in I sat at one church I just sat down all by myself and it was all quiet everybody was on the sides talking to each other and you're just kind of sitting there like. Waiting okay. for somebody to come welcome yeah. you or yeah. talk with you. And I was going to say, talking with you on this exact subject, it, it's something you said really opened my eyes is that people make a decision really quickly as far as whether they'll come back to church or not. I, could you expand on that too? Or? Yeah. So so there's a stat out there when, when looking at somebody that comes visits your congregations, they they're going to make a decision um, usually within the first eight minutes mm-hmm. of whether they'll come back or not. It's yeah. going to be based on first impressions. And it starts from your parking lot. Yeah. And um, and so if they have a hard time finding a parking space, <laughs> all yeah. of a sudden you just lessened your chances. If they start walking in and they they don't know where to go, lessens the chances again see because it's it's stressful already being a visitor mm-hmm. um and if you can't if if they're if, if 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 no one if they don't know where to go if they don't if they're having a hard time parking if they're having a hard time finding a seat if anything's making them uncomfortable people are are ignoring them mm-hmm. or are overly social i went to one <laughs> church yeah <laughs> and they did like a 15 minute greeting 
So if you're a visitor, that is a long time to be social. And if you're introverted, that's rough. Yeah. And so, and so, you know, I think what one thing we do is just really work with churches on how to reach people that aren't used to going to church and how Mm -hmm. to, and how to help them um, feel comfortable and want to come back. They say another stat out there says, says that if a person has seven meaningful contacts mm-hmm. when they come visit your congregation again there's a higher chance they'll come back each contact brings a higher chance right. um, and so if you have greeters that's one contact um, but what happens to a lot of people is when they get into a the sanctuary part mm-hmm. they're on their own yeah. <laughs> yeah you know and so really everybody's kind of sitting with their own families and families then or you groups. might be that yeah some people mm-hmm. sit in the same seats all the oh, time oh yeah we have that in our congregations <laughs> yeah. too right we even had one <laughs> church where a visitor came in and somebody had their seat and they told the visitor that this is our oh. seat oh right yeah like, so well, they come back, you yeah. know, you just lessen mm-hmm. their chances. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think um, being really sensitive to what somebody new has to experience when they walk in there, it's it takes a lot of courage for them to come. They don't Absolutely. know many people, mm-hmm. especially if they're not invited, they just show up. And so, yeah, I, I, it is um, important that we think about someone's experience um as even you jason i were even talking about this even sometimes the words that we use in our faith culture mm-hmm. we have certain language and certain yeah. lingos we use even yeah. we call certain ministries certain names and if you're new you don't know any of that i remember when i um yeah we experienced the same thing yeah same so when thing. i walked into a church they used the term when i was in a christian they used the term lamb of god why is god a lamb what's that really mean right. or um, our pastor at the time was his. They called him Pastor Plumber. I thought that was his first name. I had oh. no idea. I thought I was going to say his occupation. <laughs> right. <laughs> I had no idea. And so sometimes we just yeah. assume we get caught in our own language and our own culture. But somebody mm. new usually doesn't know that unless we explain. Yeah. Right. Well, and it's it's so tricky when the culture sort of becomes the religion because that that's when it is kind of going awry right yes. like you have to really always be very cognizant that you're that the culture is very small compared to the gospel right exactly. and the doctrine and what's being really taught there it's interesting that you say that about um you know just the different amount of context cuz you think about especially someone who's maybe coming back to church you know a lot of times they've made maybe said to god like oh i'll just I'll, I'll 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 try it, you know. Mm-hmm. But then all those little things happen, and they're like, "Forget it. I tried. I gave it a good try." You know what I mean? Like, there's exactly. just a lot of like. It's an interesting concept to really right. try to look at it from an outsider's perspective and not get too comfortable just in your own pew right. <laughs> with your own family. I I was really interesting. Yeah, I think about for me, I just view it as loving people and being mm-hmm. sensitive to who they are and um, their needs. And I think sometimes when we go into a congregation, we go in thinking of, about ourselves and our own situation and not thinking about others around us. And I think I think it's important that we do. We look for people that come in and, and welcome them and yeah. greet them and and maybe somebody that's just sitting there all alone. You guys remember your high school and, and, yeah. and you're, you're sitting at <laughs> lunch all by yourself yeah. or something, you know? And it's kind of that way at church. You, right. know, you, got, you got people that come in, they're all by themselves. That single mom that had to get up early, get all her kids ready, and she shows up. Maybe she smells like cigarettes <laughs> and right. she shows up and... and um, 
And what are we going to do? It might be our one shot yeah, right. to, to show just our love. God's love, yeah. mm -hmm. you know? And so, um, and so for me, it's like, if, if they took all the time to come to our church, I'm going to do everything that I can do yeah. to and make sure they know God's love and not by telling them, by showing them mm -hmm. and just helping being, them to feel that, right? Yeah, exactly. I was just right. curious from an infrastructure standpoint, when you see something like that going on, maybe you go into a new church and, and you see that somebody new walks in and they're not greeted, what do you help kind of the leader of that church, that congregation do to set them up for success? Because I, I just thinking about myself too, when I see somebody new come in, you know, we have greeters um, for our church. But I'll also frantically be texting like friends and say like, hey, somebody new's here. Can you go say hi to him? Or, you know, or I'll personally, of course, go up too. But I was just wondering, are there other infrastructure things that you've kind of helped people set up that have worked? Right. There are. Yeah, there's definitely. See, the way we viewed it, so at Waypoint, is every person's a greeter. Mm -hmm. It's not so we do have a greeting team, but every person is a greeter. Every person counts, every person matters. And so, um, so we did on every level. So I know this is going to sound funny for, for our, our faith-based area, but we worked on teaching in our congregation, not through the sermon, but just during training, customer service. Mm, just yeah. basic customer service skills, right. right? Looking people in the eye, how you talk to people, being able to read people if they're introvert or extroverted, right. um, and just basic people skills. Mm. Um, so we did that with our staff and our team. We did that with our greeters. We did that with all our leadership. Anybody that serves, even think about your children's ministries. A lot of times your children's people are the first time that we'll see a visitor because the parents will take them right. They won't even get to your greeter sometimes. Right. They'll take them right to that person. And so if if that if your children's people aren't trained well with just how to customer service and basic people skills. And so, Jason, what we did is we uh, made sure that we worked with our congregation constantly on customer service, people skills, being aware of your surroundings, even thinking about safety and security was another layer to that, right? Because if a visitor comes and they don't feel safe, that's a big issue. Mm -hmm. And so making sure that people felt safe when they came, making sure we had people that were just focused on safety, for instance. Um, safety can even be uh, having, maybe if there's a medical emergency, to have also people on site. But we did, we worked, we worked it on all levels. And then Maybe on Sunday, if we're going to talk a, a message about, we might talk about, again, being aware of everyone and how everyone counts and what Jesus did, how Jesus, you know, took the little Zacchaeus in the tree, right, mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. picked him out, yeah. right, among all these leaders. And who does he pick out? You yeah. know, yeah. the person no one would pick out. Right. The tax collector. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> tax collectors were hated during yeah. those times because yeah. most of them were dishonest. And, right. Right? And, uh, and there, there's Jesus. He picks out the, the guy in the tree. <laughs> the, and, and I think about, are we doing that? Are we picking out when they come to our churches or even in our community? Are we picking the people out in the trees and the people that are least liked? And, right. you know, so just to me, it's a lot about awareness, about training, um, and, and just thinking about, you know, a lot of times when people come to church, especially they get used to a routine, they get, they stay get stuck in a rut and the routine and they forget about their surroundings. And so for us, we just made sure constantly we kept that in front of them. There's a, a leader that said something was really good to me. He said, vision leaks. In other words, you can tell people something 
and you think they got it, <laughs> but in a couple of weeks, they forget. Yeah. And so it's constantly keeping those things in front of them too and letting them know how important, important it is. Because to Jesus, people, every person counts. Yeah. Well, and it's that keeping the most important things always there in front, right? It'd be easy to get distracted and to, you know, focus on something that maybe doesn't have as much importance, but loving God, loving our neighbor, yeah. you know, those are Isn't that the big, things that the greatest commandment, <laughs> exactly, right? right? <laughs> yeah. 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 So to always come back to that. Um, thanks for sharing your, your story. I'd love to know if, uh, like thinking back on your youth and your experiences and how that has Im- impacted or influenced your own ministry and your own service? You know, I think it uh, in a few ways. Since I wasn't raised in the church, it gives me a unique perspective of what a person goes through that that well, hasn't been raised in the church, yeah. um, which has helped me then to help others to think through those things. Because if you've been raised in the church, you have another perspective. Yeah. And it's a good perspective. But my perspective uh, helps us maybe to think about um, people that have no idea about church and and uh, that are curious, you know. And, yeah. and, um, and so I think that's helped me a lot to be that person that uh, had no church background, no idea about the Bible. I didn't even know who Jesus was, or first time I heard Jesus' name was a movie. Mm. And so I just had no idea. Um, was so, it actually referring to Jesus, or were they just saying his name? <laughs> I'm just not going to say anything uh, at that point. But, uh, um, but I, so I think that that's helped me just to understand people better, mm-hmm. you know, um, in my life and just understand different people and, um, and to learn to love different people. I think the other thing I think that it's taught me is a lot of times when I was growing up, Christians would try to give me morals. They would tell me what a bad person I was, that I needed to stop doing this or stop Mm -hmm. doing that. And they thought by giving me morals, that would give me a path to God. And it didn't. It wasn't until someone built a relationship with me and loved me for who I was just like Jesus did, right? Jesus right. loves us for who we are. He loves us right. unconditionally. And somebody ended up loving me unconditionally, even though I was a mess and I was a wreck. They loved me. Mm-hmm. And they loved me enough to uh, help me to see the main thing, which is Jesus, rather than mm-hmm. morals. Because mm-hmm. really, and this is what I learned, is you become a, a, a better person when you become closer to Christ. Right, right. It's that relationship with Christ then that helps us to be more like Him. Mm-hmm. As we become more like Him, we learn what true love is, because the Bible says that God's love, mm-hmm. and so we understand then who God is more, and we become more and more like Him. And that's that's where that's where we change. That's where transformation happens. And so. For me, I learned like I need to focus on a relationship with Christ, and if I'm going to be a pastor, or I'm going to be a, a believer. I'm going to help. I'm going to focus on Jesus, mm-hmm. and so that's what I've done. When I was a pastor at Waypoint, I focused on the main thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't mean we don't talk about the other stuff and all that, but if somebody's going to come in 
And on a Sunday, I want to make sure every week they know about the main thing because uh, mm. that's where that's the foundation. So those are just right. two things yeah. that that it really has um, impacted my life. I really love that idea of like you know you had in your youth people kind of approaching the gospel of Jesus Christ through a, a lens of shaming almost right? right like shaming thou shalt you know all of the <laughs> yep. things that you're not doing or making you feel bad for it when in reality you know the savior is so merciful right. and loving and always has his arms open to you uh to come to come back to you know be redeemed that's yeah. his whole purpose right is exactly. to help us to overcome all of those uh, weaknesses and right. so Thank you for sharing. That makes that. me think again of a book. I guess I plugged it the second time here called <laughs> Original Grace. But um, it just in that book, they talk about, I, I'm going to misquote it, but it, they say, you know, justice basically tells us what's required or what's expected. And, and grace really asks the question, what can I do for you? <laughs> um, and I, I just, I love that thought. I was just curious to kind of building on this idea of developing a relationship with Christ, just talking with other people in our in our faith tradition and in other faiths as well. I think that paradoxically, a lot of time you see leaders burn out and then you'll see the pastor <laughs> who has an affair at 40 or something like that. And you're like, what happened? And And I feel like what I hear a lot of people say is, they spend so much time working for God and, and don't let God work in them. And I was just curious how you maintain that personal relationship with with Jesus as you went about kind of building a church and and everything. That's a great question. You know, for me, it's making sure that my priorities are right. I think a lot of times what happens to us when we burn out is our priorities sometimes get out of whack. You know, so so for instance, am I spending time with God? Am I spending time in prayer personally? Am I spending time in worship? Am I spending time in God's word? Am I doing those things that help feed me and help me to grow? Um, and then my family. Am I am I loving my wife the way I should? Am I loving my kids? Um, when I was growing up, I saw a lot of pastors' kids walk away from the church. Yep, we have that too. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's definitely that stereotype. And yep. so, um, and I think, um, and not, I, yeah. no, no judgment on anything, but I think many times they felt they were in competition with their mother or father in terms of with the church, um, yeah. and then so they 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 walked away. For me, I just said, you know what, I'm going to make sure that I do everything I can do to, to be there for my kids, to love them, to make uh, their faith experience a, a, a wonderful experience, and and um, and to spend time with them. And and so so if that meant that I had to miss something at church to go to my daughter's soccer game because it meant the world to her, yeah. I'm going to do that, you know, because of the, in the long run, it says a lot said a lot to her and um and i know as parents we always have those balances but but i think i think making sure we take care of ourselves physically emotionally mentally and spiritually if you don't do those four things that's how any one of those going can burn us out mm -hmm. and so and i think sometimes <laughs> in in the faith area we kind of we're, sometimes we don't take care of our bodies like we should, or sometimes mm -hmm. we don't take care of our mental health like we should, or our social 
life, right? <laughs> and so it's just making sure. I think if it, you know, I am. I think to make sure you have a day off, a day of rest, <laughs> right? Is that biblical? I think somebody right. was ahead of us, right? <laughs> many many years ago, they say, you know, keep the Sabbath, keep it holy, Absolutely. you know. And I think that I, I just think that we have to make sure people burn out or implode because sometimes they allow things to come out of balance in their lives, and then eventually that crashes. And so accountability is important in that, you know, having having people to hold you accountable and making sure that also that you're transparent in that is important as well. But it can happen. I think the person that says it'll never happen to me is in a dangerous spot because it can happen to all of us. And that's why it's important that we we keep make sure that we stay balanced in our lives. Yeah, I, I love that thought. I, I think for me, it's like I, I take my own advice, right? Because that's what I tell other people is <laughs> is to put the focus at home. But I, I think sometimes that means, you, you know, you don't have to be the rock star bishop. You can be really solid and be someone who loves their family yeah. instead of the, the rock star who puts everything else aside. Yeah. Well, and that's teaching people something else also, right? Like if you're prioritizing your family and somebody else sees that, they know that that's important, right? right? That your family is important. And, Again, yeah. to me, it's modeling who Jesus is, right? That's mm. at the end of the day, that's the model that we look at. And um, as a as a mother, as a father, you know, are we modeling that for our kids and and what love is? And um, because what we say, <laughs> what we do is more important than what we say. Yeah, you mm. know, you can say all that you want, but if you don't do it. It, to our kids, it, it, it doesn't mean as much. And so so doing and saying <laughs> teaches them. <laughs> I also think, too, like when people, when individuals kind of, and this can happen to us, like, you know, in our middle age, especially if we've been in the church our whole life. Our middle age. Welcome to middle age. Jason. <laughs> hey, hey. Well, you kind of think, oh, I know about yeah. this. Like, for instance, in our seminary, our early morning seminary Bible study, we were just t- teaching about Hebrews 11. And so I had them, you know, I had the students write down, okay, what is your definition of faith? And I was like, but wait. I don't want you to think that you know everything about faith because you've been hearing about it since you were a little kid. I said, even me preparing this lesson, studying it, I learned something new, and I've been you know, at this longer than you. So you always have to remember that there's always more to learn in the gospel, in the world, but especially in the gospel. Like Every single time you open the scriptures, it's something different. It's something new. It's something that the Spirit is teaching you for your situation. But it's so easy— to just be like, oh, I already read. I mean, I read it yesterday. I'm good. You know, like I don't. I already know about faith. I know what faith is. You don't need to teach me about it anymore. You know, mm-hmm. like, but you don't. So anyway, I thought that's kind of another stumbling block. Is that individual? You talked about being in God's word, and it's like that individual time, you know, of worship is so important to not yeah, burn out. That's right. It, I mean, it's always renewing if you give it the time. And the you know, and a prayer, and and really connect. It's just like, oh yeah, I love this, and it's always refreshing. Good. I find out like even in different seasons of your life that different scriptures mean different yeah. things, or different Absolutely. teachings mean yeah. different things. Sure. I was just uh, faced with a health issue, and um, and I've read Psalms many times, and and. For some reason, I read Psalm ninety-one. It was this promise that God would be there and would heal and and mm-hmm. um, not allow any harm to come on you. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, it touched my life. But I probably have read that many right. times, passed right. right over it. <laughs> and uh, but this one is like, okay, God, you know. And so I do. I encourage everyone is. Uh, 
the Bible says that the Word of God's living, it's alive. Mm -hmm. And yes. um, every time we touch it, every time we read it, there's something that we can get fresh from it or, or new from it. And um, and so I think that's a great way, you know, exactly. I, Christine, what you're saying is, I think yeah. it's good. But man, the Satan really works hard to make us think we know it all. <laughs> <laughs> really, I mean, on all of us. Yeah. So we have to really be like, nope, I want to learn. Yep, <laughs> Leave yeah. me alone, you know? Well, that's the tough part, right, with him is, is he tries to convince us he's not there, and then when we realize he is and, and try to act contrary to him, it just launches that assault, right? Yes. Um, yeah. Sometimes it's what you're talking about, Christine's called pride, right? Oh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I know it. I know it all. Yeah, daily. I mean, it can really, it really is a daily battle yeah. with that. Yeah, it of can. humility and. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. Can I ask a question about yeah. the Open Bible Church? Like, yeah. I want to know just kind of what that means. Like, so you're connected. Uh, I mean, this is a little bit more logistic. Yeah, but no, I, I think it'd be an interesting. Before, yeah. So, yeah. so there's many churches connected here, even in our area. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'd love to know more about that. Yeah. So we have churches. Uh, they all go to Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been to Starbucks with Tim. <laughs> so the Bible's like a <laughs> denomination, and okay. it has churches all over the United States, and. And, um, and then it also has churches internationally as well. Um, so like India and Africa and just all over, they'll have churches. It's a smaller denomination. Uh, it's evangelical. Um, and uh, and, and um, it's been around almost uh, 100 years now. Oh. And so since... Uh, uh, Azusa Street Revivals in 1906, <laughs> uh, the Open yeah. Bible came out of that movement, okay. and kind of kind of along with the Foursquare movement. Mm -hmm. In fact, oh, okay. uh, Amy Simple McPherson came out of that movement, and she started Foursquare, and then Open Bible came out of that okay. movement. And Open Bible was uh, started. Um, in Eugene here and also Iowa, there are two different groups that kind of merged together to become Open Bible. Okay. Yeah, and so um, so in, in the uh, Eugene area, they had some some great had some great churches here in the fifties. They had a tent revivals downtown Eugene, <laughs> and um, and uh, just downtown some, Eugene's a little different now. It is a lot different, <laughs> but uh, there's but, still a lot of churches. Great, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so um, so yeah, and um, it's about like I said in the United States, it's over three hundred churches in the United okay. States. Cool. Internationally, it's over a thousand churches there and and so so i work under a regional director and then we have five regional directors and then we have a president uh president's office is in iowa okay. where mm -hmm. the headquarters is at our regional office here is actually in eugene and uh for the west coast and so i'm the associate so i serve under that regional director and so is that kind of a funding source as well? Like, is it, is it, do they fund the churches or do you fund your own? People fund their own church. That's a great question. So uh, every church is funded on its own through, okay. the, through the congregation donors Donations. that give. And, um, and then every, actually every church has its own board. They have, they're actually their own 5013C. Okay. And they actually, um, so they own their own property. They do have bylaws, and those bylaws are actually then approved by the denomination. Okay. And so, and then we partner together, and we partner together in events, training, relationship connection. Um, our pastors are credentialed then through Open Bible. We okay. have certain guidelines 
for being credentialed and certain training expectations there are there. And um, but yeah, it's a network of churches, kind of is the description of it. Yeah, I'm really happy to know that. I did not know that, so that's yeah. really. I'm sure it'll be interesting to many of the listeners too. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, this, this is the wait. stuff Tim and I talk about. I'm just yeah, <laughs> it's so interesting just to hear how other churches do it. But a friend of mine just started she works she goes to ecclesia is that yeah. an open bible church no ecclesia no. is uh it's kind of almost independent okay yeah came out of a church in um southern oregon okay yeah but she just started working there part-time um collect, like helping to record the donations and so yeah. it's just been so interesting to hear her perspective yeah. on that and she's like it's I can't believe how generous people are. She's like, I had no idea, yeah. you know, and now I'm just blown away by the, just how, how much people want to tithe. And it's just really, she's like, it's so uplifting and yeah. so cool. Mm -hmm. So anyway. It is. Yeah. Well, I know um, one of the things for me that has been really important is just trying to make connections with other denominations and other churches. And I know that you've done a lot of work around that. Can you speak to some of the examples or some of the work that you've done to bring different congregations or denominations together and yeah, there's there's many different levels to that. So, um, like when I was the when I was the pastor at Waypoint, we would just work with other faith based groups. Um, didn't even have to be churches like Young Life, who mm -hmm. who's, yeah. yeah. does an incredible job they here. Do, yeah. um, what we did is we actually partnered with Young Life and mm. allowed Young Life to meet at our church, mm. um, and then. Young Life's because it was right across from the high school, right? That's right, like, and Young Life's designed perfect. to help a kid that's unchurched to just understand the Bible, understand faith, and then once they make a decision to follow Christ, Young Life then gets them plugged into a church. Oh, and see, I didn't know that either. Yeah, yeah so we became kind of uh, partnered with them, and so when a when a kid was ready to get involved in a church, they would, then we would get them plugged into a church, and so so we would partner with Young Life. We actually worked with actually the Mormons. To, to look to see how we can um, do food mm -hmm. for Lane County and how we yeah. can help. We, we were actually doing a food pantry at the time from Thurston High School. Um, and so we were looking to partner with other churches because it was a bigger project for us than, than we we realized. <laughs> right, <laughs> and, right. Uh, and so we were looking for other partners in the community. Um, but that's so important, I think, to see like what other people have to offer and what other strengths people have, right? Right, right. So, you don't need to recreate the wheel if somebody's uh, yeah. And we can work together. So. together. And you guys are incredible in that area of what, what you do. And so I think we, and I think you bring up a good point, is I think, I think we all have different lanes of strengths and bring in the faith community, bringing our strengths together and um, making our community a better place, showing our community God's love is the greatest win, right. you know? And so maybe there's differences out there and and that's fine, but we have commonalities. And for me, I always want to focus on that is focus, what do we have in common? When can we partner together? Even with, uh, we would partner with Willamette Lane. We'd partner with the, the school districts, the schools. Uh, we part. We would partner with the city actually on on different projects. Um, we just believe that you know we want to just love our community, and uh, and so um, so we would look for any opportunity for us. Um, when I was at Waypoint, if our community called us and needed something, that we would drop everything, and that was our priority. Mm -hmm. Uh, we were going to we were going to put our so if I had Thurston Elementary call me and say, hey, our our sound just busted. We need somebody in two hours. We're going to drop everything. We're going to go help Thurston 
elementary. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, so yeah, so we look to partner on all different levels. Um, but the other level sometimes to partner as well is there's a, there's a couple of Christian organizations in the community. One, one hope is one yep. that, that they do an amazing job with community events when they're the fires up in blue river. Yeah. They did a lot of homes and help like mm-hmm. tiny homes for people. They can live temp- in temporary right. homes. They did a lot of food. A lot of back to school. They did they that do back, back to school. school yeah, we were part of that. We did backpacks mm-hmm. and tennis shoes and, and mm-hmm. haircuts for yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah. But there's things like that that we can all partner in. And, and um, One Hope's part of Lane, does all of Lane County. They get mm-hmm. all these faith-based groups together um, just to do different projects. Thanksgiving, they'll do, um, they do boxes for meals for families. Mm-hmm. And so churches will... Uh, they're like 40 bucks a box for a meal. Churches will purchase those, but it makes it so much easier for the church because it's already yeah. set up for them. They go pick up the boxes and right. then they can go distribute them to different areas. We would buy boxes and then we would actually bring them to the schools. Yeah, we and had it, that at our yes. yeah. yeah. So yeah, so there's, there's so many different levels, I think, that um, <laughs> we can partner. I think it's important that not only do we partner in the faith-based community, mm-hmm. but we also partner in the wider community as well. Yeah, Food absolutely. for Lane County, our schools, uh, Parks and Rec, whatever communities you live in. Even thinking about our fire department, our police officers, what can we do to to show them God's love? And and they appreciate it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, um, again, it's, it's going out into our community and not just staying on our property mm-hmm. and, and, and saying, you come to us, but it's going out saying, you know what, we love you. We're coming to you, and um, and so that that was really you know some maybe just some ideas of how oh. we can partner together. That's um, really admirable. Uh, I, I just love you know you already said this a while ago, but I love the idea too of just supporting the community we love and and building it and not having that hook necessarily of oh we're going to attract these people that yeah. you know and we'll bring them to church or whatever. Right. It's like just eliminating that variable from yeah. there. And it's like, we're going to show love and we're going to support this community. Yeah. It's, it's really also cool. like yeah. easier to serve when you're not trying to have a hook. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like that's yep. kind of stressful and it isn't how it should be. And so when you feel the need to like, oh, but you have to give me something back. I mean, it just, Jesus was never that way. Right. That's right? Oh, but as human beings, we always feel, at least I do, you feel that pressure sometimes. Of yeah. Like, well, what is this going to get me? <laughs> like, what Yeah, is, it's this yeah. weird feeling that yeah. we have, but it's so much, it's so freeing to yeah. just serve. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think and if love, you look yeah. at what, what Jesus tells us to do is to love people. Yeah. yeah. Right? It, 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 the Bible actually says it, it's, it's people, it's Jesus who gets them saved it's jesus who gets right. there right it's not us right Absolutely. right we're there just to show them you know to show them love and to show them god mm-hmm. and by loving people we show them who god is mm-hmm. right yeah i was just talking to a woman today i so i'm a dog walker that's one of my main jobs <laughs> so i was walking her dog and i visited with her today and she was talking about um how we're God's hands. Like she's a Lutheran and we've had some great discussions on her porch. Her dog just sits and waits patiently for us. But we were talking about this story that um, one of our leaders told in a talk about a statue of Christ that was damaged in World War II and the hands broke off. Mm. That was the only thing that was damaged. And once the war was over and they came back together and people were discussing, what should we do? Should we repair the hands? And the, the consensus was no, 
because and so anyway, it's just like one of those stories where there there's a sign in front of that statue now that says like you are his hands. Mm. And I you know, it's a really great thought that that's all we are to like that's all we have to be. We are just here to do what he would do, to love everyone, to see everyone as he sees them and mm. use our hands to, you know, to work and to serve and to Yeah. No. I love it. That's great. Well, Christine, you had a, a, some other questions there. Do you want to get into those? or? I w- well, I'm interested to know what, what what were some of the challenges? This is actually, I didn't warn you about this question. <laughs> you kind of already answered the one. How did you know you wanted to be a pastor? But what are some of the challenges you've found, especially when you became a pastor and you were founding the church? What were some of the challenges? I think, uh, so, so in our world, it, it's a little different than your world, because your world, you you have funding that comes from a organization in our world that doesn't happen so resources is always a challenge mm-hmm. for churches and and having the resources maybe that that goes along with the vision and the heart they have for their community um, but we were tremendously blessed and 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 um, but that was always a challenge people resources or I'm sure in your mm-hmm. your congregations yeah. it's like finding the right people and and making the right connections but resources I think it was always a challenge I think I think the other part is sometimes um, understanding the culture mm-hmm. you know your community I think sometimes churches don't understand their communities well and then they have a hard time reaching them and they wonder why because they don't understand their community I'm working with one church um, and I'm not going to give too many details, but the pastor's been there seven years. He went for the first time in seven years, he went to the high school football game, mm-hmm. got there, and he realized that it was only him and one other person that was white. Shocked him. Everyone in the stands was Armenian or they were Hispanic. And he realized, like, wow, maybe I'm not reaching this community the way <laughs> I need to reach it. And I think that is uh, sometimes could be a challenge is just really understanding your community. Mm-hmm. What are the best ways to love people? What are the best ways to uh, communicate? I know at Waypoint, you know, because we have a good Hispanic population here. Well, sometimes that might translate in your music. Mm-hmm. So we we can we start playing maybe some worship songs that, with maybe a style that's uh, a little bit of Latino style, sometimes maybe tap in a little bit of Spanish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we we did that uh, on a, a couple songs, and I'd watch people in tears. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love it too. I mean, Jeff and I were just talking about this because I think, you know, you noticed, uh, gosh, months ago, just looking at our congregation, it's like this isn't exactly the community. It doesn't represent the yeah, demographics yeah. of our community, yeah. right? right? So what are we doing you know, whether it's intentional or unintentional, right, yeah. to uh, not welcome or not reach out to certain parts of our community that we're not seeing, right? We know that the gospel's for everybody. And of course, they have their choices to do whatever they, they wish. But, you know, what could we be doing better to just try to reach out to all of our community? Yeah, I was going to say, like, um, when I was working with another church, they, they were getting ready for Christmas. And they said, well, we want to do a classic Christmas. And so they're talking about Coke, classic Coke cans and the traditional Christmas stuff we think about. And um, That's a good choice to go with Coke. <laughs> and, and I'm sure to a lot of us in this room, when I say classic yeah. Christmas, we have the idea. An image in our heads. But yeah. to a Hispanic, that's not a classic Christmas. Mm-mm. And um, in, in that community, it had a huge Hispanic population. So we had to start yeah. thinking about what is a classic Christmas 
for the culture in your area. Another friend lives in this community. He's black. And, uh, and I remember playing traditional Christmas songs for him, like Silent Night, you know, Come right. All Ye Faithful, all Away those songs. in a manger. <laughs> yeah. He's never heard them before. They were totally foreign to him because he had they had he had different songs he grew up with for Christmas, but it wasn't it wasn't these traditional songs that we think everyone knows. And I think you do have to. I've learned never to assume everybody knows. Mm-hmm. To be open to how we can be more diverse to reach different people, different cultures. I'll give you one more example. We were we were talking about Easter. And as we were, as I was with the church, and we we're talking about Easter, and this there was this comment that doesn't everyone know about the resurrection? I didn't know about the resurrection growing up. I had no idea what that meant, and and so I think it's easy sometimes we assume, and and I think when we, I think in the church it's important that we don't go absolutes with people, yeah, because <laughs> there are going to be some people that don't know, and so so I think just being sensitive to. Um, different generations, different cultures, different backgrounds, because the more that we can understand that, the more people we can reach. Mm. Um, and so um, and so even, sorry to give you one more example, but um, at Waypoint, um, I had a friend of mine who was from a different church, and he, he came to our church, and, and I asked him, I said to him, I said, so what'd you think? And he said, well, the people at your church may not be accepted at our church. And I said, why is that? He said, because some of them smell like cigarettes. Mm. They dress different. They're, they act different. And I thought, oh, that's, that's too bad, you know, mm-hmm. because they should be okay Absolutely, wherever yeah. they go, you know. And so, so I do think just, you know, I just encourage the listeners out there to think about everyone mm-hmm. and think about the different people out there and, and what we can do to make them feel welcome, to make them feel loved. What we can do maybe sometimes to be sensitive to their background, their culture, um, their experiences, even age groups are yeah. are different, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just being sensitive to that. Because at the end of the day, we want to show them who Jesus is right. at the end of the day. You mentioned uh, like the different age groups and you talked about one of the groups that you work with is kind of like the young adults, right? Maybe like that. And that's an area I think where we have a lot of concerns as leaders in our congregations is with that group that's kind of leaving high school, going into college. And there's such big decisions that are being made at that time. And they are kind of starting their, I mean, of course they've started their faith journey earlier, but then it really becomes like, you're not in your parents' house anymore. You really have to kind of decide for yourself uh, what you're going to do and what you believe and where your actions are going to be. Um, so what are some things that you have seen have been helpful to reach that generation or that, you know, that group of, of our youth? That's really good. So, um, so we're talking 18, let's say 18 to 24 for yeah. real. There's a mm-hmm. stat out there. So yeah. not to give you too much. No, stats. I love it. I love it. This is so it's a, it's a sad, it's a sad stat, <laughs> yeah. but 85% of um, people that have been raised in the church and when they get to the age of 18 and leave their home, will leave the faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and that breaks our heart, right? Um, and I think in many times it happens on different levels for different reasons. Um, sometimes it could be how well we did as a church and developing them and mentoring them and, and helping them grow in their faith. Sometimes it can happen on a parenting level, right? Mm-hmm. But to answer your question, is like at, at 18, what are some things we can do? 
I think uh, what happens sometimes at the age of 18, we treat them like they're the future of the church mm-hmm. instead of they are part of the church. Mm-hmm. And so we found out at Waypoint, we had a great group of 18-year-olds to young adults. We had them involved in everything. We had them involved on our worship teams. They're part of our leadership teams. They were, they were part of the church. Yeah. Um, and so, and they make all of those things better, right? I mean, sometimes they do, they're the ones yeah. that have like the yeah. best ideas and can yeah. help you to just really. They need a place know. where they f- can find identity, and mm-hmm. so because if they don't, they're going to find it somewhere else. And so, um, sometimes the church will not let those that that group in. They they have their the, the older generation above them kind of holds on to everything, yeah. and and they they don't. With these new ideas and and so I think it's important that we allow young adults to lead now and 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 then give them the resources, the training, the relationship that they need um, to grow and be successful. So we did internships for young adults. Um, we would do mentoring things for young adults. We would do everything that we can do to um, take whatever their calling is, their gifts, and help them grow. We even reached out to colleges and and talk to them about how we can um, have interns from maybe an intern that wants to work with media or or marketing or um, and so we'd have interns from like Oregon University come. So you'd have mm-hmm. these college kids that would come intern with us and maybe a marketing mm-hmm. and help us on our website. Or but I do think helping them mm-hmm. find what their lane is within within the church or within the faith community, I think it's important. Help them to identify who they are and their purpose. And I think that's the thing is a lot of times when we get to 18, they're still f- trying to figure out what their purpose is and who they, they are. are. And if they can't find it in the faith community, they're going to find it outside of it. And that's what happens many times. And so and I think many times we kind of just let that group go. And we don't invest into them with resources, with um, mentoring and developing. We don't. We kind of after they're out of youth age, we, we kind of leave them out there and say, "You're an adult mm. now." Yeah, get in your adult, yeah. right? But yeah. we say, "Get in our adult small group." So they'll show up with forty year olds, right? Single, <laughs> and, yep. and everyone else in the we group. We have married. the same thing, yeah. Right. And um, and so um, so I think it's just it's so for us what we had to do is just really make that uh, an important part of our congregation, just like we did the youth group, just like we did the children, Mm -hmm. to realize that that age group is unique um, and to really put lots of attention and resources to that. It's a really interesting thing that you said that's resonating with me is just that idea of kind of the pressure that sometimes we put on them. You said, you know, about them being like taking over the church or being the next generation or in our church often we'll refer to them as the rising generation. And there's a lot of pressure that comes with that, right? There's a lot of uh, weight sometimes that and then it's like, you know, as an 18 year old, I don't want that weight on my shoulders, you know, and and so it's an interesting concept to just think of them as, you know, we're all members here of this congregation of this church and we all have roles to play and then to give them those additional leadership roles and that's so it's I've wonderful seen one church uh, that a great church in town they actually start integrating the children into the church about at seven years old so they're mm-hmm. on their worship mm-hmm. teams they're oh, helping wow. serving in different areas in their church and you do you see then that you see a, a lot stronger faith 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. In their youth days and their young adult age and yeah. into their adults. Um, because they started at a very early age, being integrated, not as a separate member, but part of yeah. the church. We, we see that as well, I think, as we give our youth opportunities to kind of give sermons in church and to participate on different leadership things and help plan camps and outings. And it really makes a huge difference for our youth. I would. Well, and it builds a foundation for them. So even if they do step away for a bit— to figure it out, there's the, always that foundation. I, it, it really is easy to get discouraged by that 85%, but then I always just tell myself, but but even if you meet the needs of one, like, mm-hmm. right, you just have to think of like, but who's in front of me right now? Who's in my sphere of influence right now? And how can I help them? Right. Because otherwise you're just like, ugh, I just give up. I mean, this yeah. the, just go, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's easy to just sort of give up on a, on a group that feels harder to reach. Yeah. You know, but really you just say, well, I'm going to just meet the ones. And if all of us look around and see like those age group kids in our life, some of them being our own kids, (laughs) but sometimes at that age, it's not the parents that can reach them. It has to be someone else. So I always think, okay, I'm going to serve everybody else's kids so that then God sees that and he'll send somebody else to serve mine, you know, because they don't want me right now. Like I'm not, I've said too much right. to them. Yeah. Well, and if every parent can think that, right, if we're all just reaching out to yeah. lift up whoever it is around us and, and really our kids at any age, right? So some of some people's children are 40, 50 years old, right? And they also need to be loved and served. And so it's our, you know, responsibility, I think, to like you've mentioned, to just love everybody around us, help people to feel welcome. And if we're reaching out in all those ways, not just in our congregations, it has to be in our community, right? Because that's where the people that might have left their their faith at some point are, right? And so it's a, it's a beautiful thought. And I think there's another aspect too, is to realize is sometimes we plant seeds in people mm-hmm. and we may never see it. I was just, um, as I mentioned, I was a youth pastor in Antioch for 10 years. And that was was in the 90s, so a long time ago. (laughs) But I just was up in Northern California. I spoke at a church over there, and it wasn't even the same church I was youth pastoring. I get there, and the pastor says, hey, somebody wants to meet you. And I walk, and somebody I didn't recognize at all, and they said, Pastor Tim. (laughs) So do you remember me? I said, I'm trying to be nice. I don't quite remember (laughs) you, but I was in your youth group. (laughs) She tells me her story. She got saved in our youth group, uh, accepted the Lord in her youth group. And then about 19 years old, she walked away from her faith, got married, had kids. And when she had kids, she remembered her faith from the youth group. And she said, I want my kids to have the same thing. And so she came back into her faith, got back involved in church. So you just never know, yeah. you know? And so mm-hmm. so by us just showing God's love to people, God will do the grow, growing in people's lives, and, and we'll, we'll plant those seeds. Mm-hmm. Right. I wanted to talk with you more about the leadership, because I, I think that's a big part of what you do now, too, is, is just identifying and, and helping leaders develop. I'd, I'd like to start by asking you a question that I think we have in common between our, our you know, faith backgrounds is a lot of the time there's a temptation when we, we have a lot of things that need to get done for our church. We tend to kind of just 
plug holes and we say, okay, I need somebody to help me teach this Sunday school class. Okay, this person. Because I, they're there and they're yeah, available. Yeah, because they're there and, and it, but, but It might really, not be the best fit or it might yeah, not be their skill set. But, but really from all our conversations together and, and talking before here, the, really the, the more beneficial thing is if we can mentor individual people and, and we can see, like you said, what they're being called to do and, and help them kind of magnify, you know, whatever they're trying to progress and, and grow in. And I'm just curious what strategies you've used to, to do that. Yeah. So, you know, so I, first, I, I understand like that we all need to sometimes fill holes. I mean, that's just the reality <laughs> of, of the it, situation. right? I mean, yeah. I call that maybe the short term, mm-hmm. you know, but in the long term, developing people um, is a lot better. It's kind of the idea of there's a there, John Maxwell. He's a he's a famous leadership person. And he said something that's really good. He said, you know, a lot of times we try to buy leaders rather than develop leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Jason, you know, for for the question is, is how do we develop leaders and still plug the holes? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Now, yeah. if you're developing leaders, eventually you don't need to plug holes anymore because you have so many leaders yeah. that, that they then... That's the goal. That's the goal. <laughs> but when you're starting out, sometimes you just need to plug holes. But it's important you do both. So starting out, you do both. You, you plug the holes because you, sometimes you have to plug the holes but you develop people and sometimes churches get caught on just plugging holes and they never get out of that mm-hmm. so by doing both developing leaders and plugging holes will help you get started and eventually you'll just switch to developing leaders you'll have so many leaders you won't have any holes anymore mm-hmm. um, but strategies there's lots of levels to think about this on there's organizational level of developing leaders there's personal level of developing leaders um, on a personal level for me, it starts with a relationship. It's building a relationship with people, getting to know them, and then seeing where that relationship goes from there. And so I had one person, a friend of mine, who actually ended up on our staff at Waypoint. We started just playing basketball together and just started having a relationship together, yeah. getting to know each other. Um, and then it then it became a faith conversation, and from a faith conversation, it became starting to do life together. And so, so I encourage everybody out there who has a relationship with God to have people in your life that that you are mentoring, that you are developing, yeah. because again, that's what Jesus did, right? He had his disciples mm-hmm. and he had his twelve, and he developed them and mentored them. Um, and I think it's important that we all do that, and and our kids the most. Start, mm-hmm. you know, right? Your own kids, don't forget about them. But um, but then beyond that, um, and so to me, it's it there's there's a simple thing I would say that makes it simple. If you're gonna train somebody, it starts with a relationship, and then there's a basic, I would say a basic way to train people. It's this, it's um, I'll do and you watch. And then it's you do and I'll watch, and then it's you do. Right. And, um, and That's, then we call that gradual release and education, right? Like exactly. I do, we yeah. do, you do. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm going to go on and do it with another person Yeah, and they're going to do it with a person and we're going to reproduce ourselves. So on an individual level, I'm making it really simple, but that, that's kind of the, 
the model to do. On an organizational level, there's there are systems or things that we can do if you want to, I don't know if you want to tap into that now or not. Yes, okay. Um, but there's- <laughs> yeah, just, it's, it's interesting, I think, because a lot of time we do, you know, get stuck and going back to the plugging holes thing. Right. And, uh, you know, and what I'm hearing from you so far is, you know, this the, the mentorship really, it should be personal. I think where I struggle sometimes too is, you know, when you do get into that, trying to help somebody, you know, understand where God's leading them, a lot of the time you can get that pushback of, you're going to ask me to do something. Yeah. <laughs> right? so it's just, uncomfortable. How do you work through it? Yeah. Right. And you, sometimes you work through those on relationship. Timing's everything, you know. And, and um, I think with people, you got to kind of let them go at their own speed, you know. And, and mm-hmm. as, a, as, a, as mentoring someone, it's good to push them. But there's a balance on on just how much you push and how much you you allow the, the Holy Spirit to speak to them and, and you allow God to to be part of that process too. I don't know how many times in my life, because I'm a, there's a saying out there, some of us are revolutionary leaders, like we want things like that. Mm-hmm. And some of us are evolutionary leaders. My personality is revolutionary. Um, so mm. I've always had to learn to be patient and to take my hands off the wheel sometimes. Sometimes mm. you have to do that. Organizationally, we can talk a little bit about that. The great question is, if someone was to walk through your doors, what happens to them? Like how how do how do the how is there how do you go from not knowing God to all of a sudden being a, a leader in your church? So in a in a church, it, it it needs to have a system. It needs to be intentional on how it does that. Because if you're not intentional with something, there's that there's that scripture without vision. What happens to people? Yeah, the people perish. They perish. And so if there's not a map, if there's not a direction, like Jason, we golf. If you're telling me just go to the golf course, mm-hmm. like if I don't know what golf course you're That's talking about. That's what I to, did for uh, 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, if you're saying just go to the golf course, it's like, what golf course are you talking about? Yeah. And then let's say you tell me the name of the golf course and I have no idea where it's at. And you say, well, it just it's just go north, right? What road do I go on? I think sometimes in congregations we do that. We don't tell them where the direction. This is this is the path you need to go. Like I know in education you have paths, right? Mm-hmm. And you have paths from kindergarten all the way up to to yeah. high to they graduate. right. But a lot of times churches don't have those paths, or they have gaps in those paths, and so. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I would encourage, and from a system standpoint, is to what is the path from when someone's new in their faith, what helps them to grow, what kind of Bible studies, what kind of mentoring helps them to grow to the next step of them being discipled, them getting involved, them connecting, and then going from that to a leader, mm-hmm. right? That's such an interesting analogy because our, our current leader of our church, the president of our church has been using the the term the covenant path for several years. And so just thinking about that, and we kind of think of that yeah. just as far as the covenants that we make, but you know, we also need to be thinking about like the other things along that path, right? Yeah. Not just like our baptism and different things like that, but what other things that and it's you so need to often be doing our to focus is on getting out and just get their butts in the seats at church, right? Right. right? When it's really, you know, sometimes the the best approach is what is the next thing you need to do in your path? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the next step of growth? And so without going into details, because that's a whole nother discussion, <laughs> but um, 
But that's the thing to think about and is just what is that path for people? And again, what mm -hmm. is the purpose? The purpose is always to help them develop a closer relationship with Christ. Yeah. It's not necessarily going to church or serving. Those are all because you have a relationship with Christ. <laughs> So that's, I think, the other part, Jason, that's important is, is, is the path that we make should always help them grow closer to Christ. And that's called discipleship, right? That's, yeah. that's the discipleship process. And in that, we're going to teach them who Christ is, what it means to serve him, what it means to follow him, what it means to lead, mm -hmm. right? We teach all that within that. But not only do we teach, but again, we teach and then right then they're gonna then they, watch yeah, right and then we're gonna get them involved and we're gonna watch and mentor them and then and eventually then they're gonna, they're gonna, gonna be doing it um my greatest honor is anytime i can set something up and hand it over to someone else and move on to the next thing you yeah. know and, and let them do it let, let them yeah, do it isn't that the greatest honor have their own kind of spin on it and yeah. you know their own talents yeah, yeah. yeah. i saw you jotting down some notes chris christine well, i really love that i do yeah. you watch you do i watch you yeah. do. that's really cool i have to think about that more because i'm i'm not a very good delegator and i always just think oh i'll just do it it's okay <laughs> <laughs> but but that's not how anybody grows no i mean obviously people didn't do that for me, right? Like the way that I've grown is because other people have mentored me and taught me and I watched them and then they let me try. And so sometimes it's just, it's what do they call it? Shadow leadership, right? Yeah. It's just, yeah. a, it's a, it's, it's more work, but it's, it's, it's important work. And here's the other challenge is sometimes you might have to compromise quality yeah. initially because mm -hmm. they're learning. Yeah. It's like teaching your kids how it's to clean. <laughs> they do a terrible job. Yeah, You're like, I'll so just good. do it. I'll hire a housekeeper. Oh, right. But sometimes we give up on people on that level yeah. and say, I'll yeah. just do it myself. Right. And, yeah. um, and so being patient with people and loving them and helping them to uh, – part of your learning experience can be failure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and allowing people to fail and allowing people to learn then how to go from failure to how to come off of that because we all fail. We yeah. all have fallen short. And and so um how do you then grow from that? How do you keep going from that? How do you learn from that? And if we can allow people to I think sometimes we don't allow people to fail. Right. And I think that's a mistake. I think obviously making sure they're safe and all of that, but but sometimes, you know, if they don't clean something the right way or cut a cut a piece of cheese the, the right <laughs> way, if they don't if they they have their back turned to somebody as they're greeting, whatever, right? right. That's part of the process yeah. is is that. Right. You mentioned just having patience with with people, right? I I would like as a leader myself, I hope people have patience with me. I know I'm not perfect. I'm not going to do everything right the first time or maybe even the second time or the third time and you know that I want people to have patience with me and I want to be able to extend that to them too right, right. that we're all trying our best we're all you know and we need to have patience with other people for us as I think about developing leaders in, in our organization too sometimes it's okay to just be patient and wait too right we don't maybe need to fill all of the little gaps yet we can the, be patient and ones. wait for it to come yeah, yeah sometimes you get to the main ones but I think about mm -hmm. two of the fruits of the spirit, right? Peace, mm -hmm. patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, yeah. right? Long-suffering. Long-suffering. <laughs> I think all those things are important in, in terms of how you mentor someone, mm -hmm. you know, so that we um, show those qualities to, right. to people, I think I think is, is important. I was wondering, too, just as you're coaching and mentoring people, you know, because I'm sure you've seen, you know, 
myriad success stories over the years. When do you notice that it's starting to click? Like what what things do you look for in the progression? What that the show indicators. You yeah. <laughs> indicators of success. Or the opposite of that. When do you see that you've maybe yeah. given them too much and they're glazing over and like, I don't, actually, I'm going to leave because I don't yeah. want that much. There is a kind of a fine line yeah, there, right? You, like you can push people away maybe. Off. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, you know, in the relational level, you start, you know, it's just a step at a time. So, so in the relationship, if you see the relationship clicking, you guys seem to connect good together um, and you're moving forward together. For me, it's just, I just take each step at a time. Um, and sometimes a person will let you take them to certain steps and that's fine. Cause, cause again, I'm just, if maybe yeah. someone else will get them to the next mm -hmm. step. And so, Jason, I think for me, it's just, again, people will give you permission to what they will allow you to do. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so I kind of, I don't force anything. And, you know, um, even I right now, I actually coach pastors. And they'll, can you help me out? And I'll do the same thing. You know, I'll give them advice. And um, some of them will follow it to the letter. And I say, okay, we can go further. Some of them will be, yeah, yeah I'll do it. Not do it at all. Mm -hmm. be okay. I have that same thing, and I won't tell you where Jason falls on. I'm <laughs> just gonna. <laughs> but I think I think again, um, what they do tells you a lot if they're whether to if they're willing to move forward or yeah. not. Mm -hmm. You know, the action steps to things mm -hmm. as, as you're giving them advice, and that goes along. Then, Christina, what you're saying is, when do you know that it's not going to work? Um, I was actually just in a situation where. Um, I was being asked possibly to coach a pastor, and um, and I knew possibly this pastor um, may not want that. And so understanding that, it's like, you know what, I don't want to force mm -hmm. that on somebody. I want to work with somebody that would want that, you know? And so um, so for me, it's, it's understanding, okay, it's okay, you know? Um, maybe someone else is better for that. And I think that's something to understand is, you don't have to, you're not the savior for everyone. Right. Or, you know, um, maybe someone else is better. Maybe someone else is a better fit or a better personality fit. But I would say the science for me is if um, they're not executing maybe some of the advice that, that you're giving them, it's just not going anywhere or they stop calling you, they stop showing <laughs> up, right? Those are all signs that, okay, we're, we're good. You know, um, you could kind of, you know, those, those are the kind of signs I would, I would read, you know, and, and understanding. And then sometimes I'll just have a conversation. Sometimes it's just being honest with somebody and, and saying, Hey, you know, um, I know you want me to coach you or mentor you. And, and I noticed this or that, how are you feeling? You know, and they'll tell you, you know, and, or if, uh, you know, well, I think I'm good now. Well, great. Mm -hmm. You know, or or sometimes, like I notice as a pastor, I'm not a I'm not a counselor. I'm a pastor, and so sometimes with like we get um, with a couple that's maybe having a hard time in their marriage, I can help them pastorally to to a certain extent. Right. Yeah. But sometimes I need to refer them to somebody else that Absolutely. that's an expert maybe in a certain area. And that's another thing is when you realize maybe it's over your head mm -hmm. or somebody else might be a better expert at something that they're going through let's make sure we get them the the help the that they need that yeah or support mm -hmm. um it could be any of the above so that's another thing is i realize sometimes that um i don't have the right experience or the right skill sets to help somebody get to that next level and that would be another point where i realize i need to hand them off to somebody that mm -hmm. would be and that could be a change as well 
Mm, yeah, that's a good point. That's right. What do you see uh, in your future? What do you have other aspirations or, uh, you know, what do you see moving forward for you? Well, I just transitioned two years ago, right. <laughs> so I'm not at way. I, I tend Waypoint, but I I um, am now working as associate director of the region. So people ask me that. The problem is, I love what I'm doing. Right yeah, now. that's great. So I don't really have, you know, um, our parents are aging, and so in this season mm-hmm. of our life, part of it's taking care of them and making sure that we're available. For so they them. live here in town? No, they live in L.A., oh, and okay. and some of them are really sick. We have two parents on hospice right now. Oh, and so for Tina and I, we just want to make sure we dedicate the season, yeah. take care of our parents, be there. So I actually help a church down in L.A. I go down there. But then I can we can help our parents when I go down there as well, That's and then wonderful. our kids just got married, and so um, so there's that stage as well. Yeah. Um, but um, right now I'm I'm right where I'm supposed to be. I'm right. I love what I'm doing. Um, so my personality doesn't have further aspirations. I'm kind of in the moment and love the moment. And then I'll I see what the it. next moment brings, but uh, yeah. but I'm there's nothing more out there right now for me, you know. Um, just you know, again, making sure our family uh, is really, especially our parents, you know, that that is an important part for us. And that was one of the reasons why I switched from lead pastoring to what I'm doing because now I travel a lot, have a little bit more flexibility with a lot that. more flexibility. I might, I work from home. Mm. My hours are really flexible. Pastoring's a lot of stress. Um, it's like, yeah. you know, you were a principal. It's, it's we, when I was listening mm. to you talk about the stress of a principal, and what you're doing, <laughs> it's the same thing as a pastor. A pastor is, is hard. You have to be, you have to understand spiritual things, legal things, yep. counseling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to put out fire. Jason's nodding his head. Like, like, <laughs> yes. You're dealing, with, you're dealing with crisis. Yeah. You're dealing with sometimes politics. I can go on and on, on, on just the, the dynamics you have to money, the stress, right? Yeah. Um, and so, um, so for me, not having that stress anymore, um, and being able to help people in what's more my strengths has really made it less stressful, which then makes it, makes me a little bit more free to focus on our parents and focus on some things we needed to in this season of our lives. So, yeah, so there are no, no more, no aspirations at this point. We'll, we'll wait and see though. Well, that's cool. I mean, it's just really aligns with what you were saying earlier. So it's like you're really living your values. (laughs) And it sounds like God knew that and he gave you that opportunity at the right time to change and to say, okay, this is the new thing. And that way you have more time to to really live the way you want to live. And, you know. One thing I've learned is um, I know for me is, is no matter what role I am, I'm still the same person. Exactly. You know, so I'm going to develop leaders if I'm the youth pastor, if I'm in a denominational leader, if I'm a pastor somewhere, right. if I'm just working at Jerry's, I'm going to be that person. Right. That's and you're going to live your beliefs and lead with your beliefs and yeah. all Correct. of those It doesn't things matter the role. Mm-hmm. You know, the role is just the the means to help you. Right, an opportunity. Right. And we all just take turns. You know, yeah. it's like my yeah. turn here is up. Yeah. <laughs> Jason, how much, what's it, when's your turn up? Two and a half years. <laughs> for I'm looking the, over at Jeff like, yes. Two and a yes. half years for this responsibility. There's many more to come, right? Uh, Jason's dream is just be on a golf course and <laughs> No problem with that. And, <laughs> teach, and, and teach the youth. Will somebody the youth need, need you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are parts. Uh, honestly, there, there are certain things that in our, you know, 
callings right now in, 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 in our church that I just love. And I think that's one of them is just seeing it click with the young people in our church is one of those things that just keeps me coming back. Right. Yeah. Well, watching, I'm sure you've seen this a thousand times in your life, watching the gospel of Jesus Christ just influence and make an impact on people as they accept him as their savior and redeemer and just seeing the change. It's it's a beautiful thing to that strengthens your own faith, right? As you watch other people make those choices. It really is. My favorite thing is always baptisms and yeah. you know, seeing people make that kind of commitment. It's like there's such a special spirit there. Yeah. yeah. It really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Awesome. Well, Christine or Jeff, do you have any other questions or no, I've really, really enjoyed this. Thank uh, you. I've learned a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, it was so for a minute there, just so dense, so much like useful <laughs> information. So yeah, I just yeah. want to thank you for everything that you do for our community, and you know, as somebody that's worked in the school system as well. I mean, your church and your organization, and you as a person. I mean, it's just you've had an enormous impact. You really lived up to the words that you've shared with us today, as far as really reaching out to the community and helping them to feel our savior's love so yeah. i appreciate you yeah, ben, it's been I, an honor and i just i just uh, share the same sentiment I, I think when you and i first met like you know and and actually like one of our neighbors introduced yeah or said i should meet you but but uh you know i just i've seen the impact you've had on our community too and on my own kids i think we talked about that you know you guys put on a lot of events they really enjoy i i love just getting to know you better and knowing your church because when i meet kids that i have some sort of role in their life and they tell me they go to waypoint church to say that's you know those people those are good people that you're you're hanging out with and and spending your time with so um i i see the impact there in the young people in particular that my kids are friends with and yeah so well and i just think like you know in the mouth of two or three witnesses right and whenever whenever i think we've just been sitting around talking about christ and the impact that has on the listeners you know, you really, the spirit will speak to them in a different way. They're going to learn something, you know, when they take time to listen to this episode that will touch their heart and help them be better leaders and better followers of Christ. So you're going to, yeah. this is a, your plan, like me, it's like a small seed, right? This yep. discussion, but it mm-hmm. really goes Well, far. I think too, like something that I've like, that God's been telling me for years too, is it, maybe it was 2020, but it's just like, your neighbors believe in God. Like, why are we not talking about it? Mm-hmm. You know, why are we not having really positive conversations? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and, and a lot of time we don't see eye to eye on things, and that can actually be really positive too to mm-hmm. understand. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I hope that kind of inspires people too. Yeah, we have mm-hmm. a lot to teach each other. Yeah, I, I agree because there's some things that I believe you guys do really, really well. And there's some things that we might do well, and yeah, and, uh, and we can need to write. We can learn from each other and that, and be stronger yeah. with that. And um, and so, um, but again, uh, love has to be this core and the center of what we do. And and if we take what we have in common, we can, we can make some really good differences. And if we can learn, I mean, really really good things. If we can take our differences and learn from each other, that's a win too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Do you have a modification yeah, of your final I question? I have a modified last question. It. So we we are pretty consistent. And this is actually episode fifty, by the way. So oh, this is like a we should have had a party. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we we end with the same question, and and I'll I'm gonna phrase it this way for you: Is how has your time in in ministry and and the years you've spent there helped you to develop your relationship with Jesus Christ? 
you know, it's taught me a lot what his love is like. I, you know, I think more and more I've, I've developed more just how to love people and how Christ loves people because uh, I struggle with that. Sometimes it's hard because people can be sometimes mean to you, say <laughs> things to you. Yeah. Um, and so just learning how to love people, I think it's helped me, which then when you learn how to love people, you learn what God's love's like. When you learn how to forgive people, you learn what, what God's love's really like. And um, so for me, I think, and when you learn to love people unconditionally, not saying any of us have achieved that, but God, but when you learn more how to do that, um, I think it helps, it's helped me to just be closer to God and to understand what his love's really like. And so, so being in ministry, to me, it's just such an honor, you know, to be, be able to serve people and, and love people, being able to answer God's call in your life. Here's what I would say to all the listeners is we're all in ministry. You don't have to be a bishop or a pastor or, you know, um, mm-hmm. we're all in ministry. We're all called to to love people. We're all called to the ministry of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we may all have different roles and different places we have that. It might be at a grocery store. It might be on the golf course. It might mm-hmm. be in the doctor's office. Um, but we all have our places of ministry uh, to show God's love. And, and uh, I think sometimes people think, well, if you're a bishop or a pastor, then that's it. But no, we all are ministers and we're all out there to minister in ministry to love people and to, and to reach people. And um, so for me, I think the, the greatest thing is just Tim's a caring here, learning how to love people <laughs> like God loves them. Um, and it, and that's, it's helped, it's been life changing for me. It's also not only as translated in my ministry, but with my marriage, with my family friends, um, to learn how to love people the way God loves them. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Connection Podcast. I certainly enjoyed making it. A couple of takeaways I had are, I'm going to reconsider what I'm doing. We, we have a wonderful community, by the way, and I, I want to reconsider what I'm doing to be a part of it. Even things as simple as showing up to football games and things like that. I also am considering, you know, what am I doing when people come to our church? And obviously we greet and things like that, but what am I really doing to try to understand what they're going through and helping them to feel welcome when they show up uh, in our chapel? I really enjoyed, again, making this episode. If, if you guys enjoyed listening, let me know. I'm happy to interview more people in the community. I actually love doing that. I, if nothing else, the takeaway I have, and I hope that other people have, is you know, your neighbors, there are so many faithful people around you and you can have wonderful conversations with them, regardless of if you're a member of the same denomination or not. So until next time, take care.